Our scripture reading for today is found on your handouts. It's the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. We've been studying Galatians throughout this summer, and we'll continue uh, basically from Memorial Day until Labor Day. We'll be in the book of Galatians. And I think there's a lot that the Spirit has for us here. But here, the word of the Lord uh, from Galatians chapter 3, Paul writes this to the church. And he starts off a little strong, I'll warn you. He says this, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the, work of the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God work, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. And scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And he announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are children of Abraham. Wait, I got lost there. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Now clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God uh, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us as it is written. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree or a pole or a cross. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Maybe you've seen or grew up seeing those old Looney Tunes cartoons on TV. Sound familiar? The Looney Tunes on TV. I don't know if they're still on TV anymore. Maybe I'm showing my age. But often in the Looney Tunes cartoons, there's this struggle between good and evil. A, a character has to make this moral decision. Now, there's one episode where Sylvester the cat is being tormented by these homicidal mice who are out to get him with every kind of trap and weapon. And his owner, Porky, that, that little pig with the, the gun, I think, uh, he doesn't believe Sylvester until he himself is captured by the mice and he's taken captive. Well, Sylvester runs off in a panic. He knows these mice are trouble. And then he's stopped by, by this moral decision, by an angel that pops up on one shoulder. And the angel says, do the right thing. Go back and save your owner. And then pop up on the other shoulder, there's a little red demon. And it says, save your own skin. Get out of here. Now, Sylvester looks back at the angel and the angel says, remember, Remember all the good times you had with Porky. Get back in there and save him from the mice. Now, in, in the Looney Tunes universe, 
That's how things work. You, you do good, you do bad, you face the consequences, you listen to the angel or the demon and you do what you get, you get your reward or your suffering. And one commentator says that that's exactly how the Galatians thought the world worked, that they were stuck in this moralistic way of living. The teachers of the law who got them into this mess probably taught them something like that. You know, you, everyone wants to do good and evil, but that evil impulse, that little demon, it's stronger. You Galatians, you, you need the law to restrain your evil ways. You've believed in Jesus, you've trusted in him, you've been baptized, yes, but you need to follow the law, they said. That's how you can resist evil desires and, and do good things. Well, the Apostle Paul, the, the one who first told them the good news of Jesus, he's got a different story to tell them. And it starts with sin and it ends with grace. And he says, yes, your evil ways are wrong. Yes, you are born in sin, but without Jesus, you are hopelessly lost in your sin. But God's grace in Jesus Christ finds you in your lostness and brings you home and sets you free from the tyranny of evil. And by God's spirit, you can live in God's good kingdom ways. That's the, the short version of what Paul says in the whole book of Galatians. You know, he began at the very beginning by rebuking them strongly and trying to call them back to the gospel. And then he told them his story, his testimony of faith, how God rescued him, how God made him an apostle and a missionary to the Gentiles. And now, in chapter 3, he turns to their story and to the story of Scripture. But first, again, Paul can't help but get a little emotional again here. Verse, three, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, he calls the Galatians stupid, foolish, bewildered. Now he thinks they've been confused, that they've been led astray. These are not his harshest words in the book of Galatians. Oh no, he's got harsher words for the people who misled them, both in chapter 2 and again in chapter 5. But here, here Paul seems to take the tone of a, a disappointed mentor or friend. How could you have been so misled, he says to them. Now, first of all, he says, this story, the story of grace, is their story. Paul knows they've heard the gospel. He was the one who preached it to them, after all. They know the story of faith, and not just his own story, but their story. Now, Paul's story was based on his experience. He, he started out as a persecutor of the church, who God called to be a missionary of the gospel. And he preached the good news to the Gentiles wherever he went. And even when he went up to Jerusalem, he, he told them what he was preaching. And they said, great, that's exactly what we preach too. In fact, they never made any of Paul's Gentile friends who went with him. They never made them follow the law. So the, the church leaders in Jerusalem agreed that they were preaching the same gospel as they did to the Jews. And a commentator says that Paul could have ended his letter in chapter 2. He could have rested his argument right there. Here's what the history of the church. Here's my experience. Here's my story. This is what we decided. This is the gospel. Case closed. But having made his argument from his own experience and the story of the early church, now Paul reminds them of their story. And simply put, they received the Spirit. They have experienced the gifts of God's grace. Uh, he says, the cross was publicly proclaimed before you. Jesus Christ, the crucified Messiah, you can't miss it. It's like a, a town crier yelling out loud in the square or a public announcement. It's like a, one of those billboards lit up at night along the highway. That was Paul's goal as the preacher of the gospel, to show Jesus. Because that's how God changes lives, like the lives of these Galatians. They know it. They've told each other their stories. Uh, Paul probably knows some of their stories. And, and they've seen the changes that God did in their lives. 
Now Paul reveals them all, reveals it all in one question. He says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? See, for, for Paul, this receiving the Spirit is the sum, the whole package of faith. It, it sums up faith and, and action and belief and, and changed life. The Spirit does it all. And they received the Spirit by faith, he says. And even that faith came from the Spirit. Uh, John Calvin says that often as he writes about faith. The Spirit is the one who even spurs faith in us. How can they think then that they had anything to do with it? And that phrase that Paul uses, uh, the works of the law, it's kind of a, a shorthand for, it, it's more than just the human desire to, to work our way to goodness. It means uh, uh, this righteous, it means this, this law, this, the keeping the law was a sign of being part of God's covenant people. The works of the law were a mark on their foreheads that you are part of God's covenant family. And it was also a sign of righteousness. It was a way of being more righteous, of trying to do good against your evil impulse. And Paul says, neither of those things are necessary with the Spirit. It's the sign of the Spirit, visible in baptism, that makes believers part of God's covenant people, the church. See, it's the, the fruit of the Spirit changed lives comes as a gift to those who believe. So you no longer need the law to teach you to righteousness. And again, Paul calls them foolish. He says, their new life in Christ began with the Spirit. How can they go back to the, the way of flesh and sin and the law? Because that is not how grace works. And Paul hopes that their experience of grace, that their story of faith is not pointless. Because they know grace deep down. And so anything else should be empty. And that's why he repeats his question to them, his challenge to them a third time, just to drive home the point. In verse 5, he says, Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by your believing in what you heard? And here, Paul makes clear that the, the gift of the, the spirit comes as a free gift from God, as a helper and a support. And that's what give means here. With the Spirit come other gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, charismatic experiences, uh, miracles of faith. Now these may be hard to explain, but part, they are part of the Galatians story too. And Paul seems to know some of their stories, but he doesn't tell them here. He, he just reminds them again that their experience matches his. God gives his Spirit by grace, and their lives should never be the same. Although we're not the primary recipients of Paul's letter, sometimes it's a good test to put yourself in the header of the letter. Uh, he says, you foolish Galatians. Well, uh, what if he said, you foolish Americans or you foolish Ellsworthians? Is that the right term? Wasn't Christ revealed? Wasn't Christ crucified before your very eyes? Of course, we, we'd never be so foolish, right, as these Galatians, but but maybe we are sometimes. See, because the problem with the works of the law, that whole package, is that it marks us as part of a community and tries to make us righteous. The being born part of a community, a growing up in the Christian faith, uh, being a church member, that does not make us right with God. That's one way it can look, but that is not how God works anymore. Jesus changed that by his grace on the cross. God calls a kingdom people to follow Jesus and to live, and he gives them his spirit to, to do everything possible. And any other way is foolishness. 
I, I heard of one group of people that struggled with this very problem. After World War II, the Lutheran Church, especially in Germany, struggled with this question. And after the war ended, a group of pastors got together and were talking about how they felt they'd been misled by these demonic forces. Well, true. Those are real. And this spiritual struggle between good and evil is real. And the pastors were getting all worked up about it until one of the senior pastors, one of the older ones among them, got up and said, Gentlemen, we have been misled. We have been very, very foolish. You see, they'd fallen for this idea that being part of a people, a, a folk, the nation of Germany and the German church, that that somehow made them right before God. And that, says Paul, is utter foolishness. And it's the same problem the Galatians had because the church of Jesus Christ does not belong to any nation, any people group, and the cross of Christ stands far above any nation. And whenever the church has gotten confused about that, strange and bad things happen. When Christians are led astray by nationalism, it turns out to be one of the greatest threats to the Christian faith throughout history because the church we know belongs to Jesus, who is the head, and he continues to preserve and protect her through the ages. And Paul, Paul has argued his argument from his experience, and he's reminded the Galatians of his story, but now he wants to point them to Scripture, to the story of Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, he says. Now, Abraham's story brings together all of these questions of law and grace into a perfect package, and no good Jew or Christian should, could disagree with it. See, Paul knows that the people who led the Galatians astray were probably pointing back to Moses and to Moses' law. And here he's going to one-up them. He's going to say, now, you, you can go back to the law, but go back 400 years before the law, before Moses. Go to Abraham. Because for Paul, Abraham equals faith. The people who believe in Jesus Christ, he says, are children of Abraham. Why? Be because Abraham heard that kernel of the gospel, that same gospel first. God said to Abraham, all peoples or nations will be blessed through you. And God preached this gospel to Abraham. He was a Gentile, by the way, just as Jesus Christ preached it to the Jews. And Paul is just repeating that same good news again to the Gentiles as he preaches that God gives faith that makes right all who believe in God. Now, Paul makes this argument about Abraham from Scripture, and he, he quotes all sorts of Old Testament Scriptures. And some of the Galatians may have been Jews and some Gentiles, so they knew the Scriptures, but the, the Gentiles probably didn't. So Paul points to Scripture to say, See, look, the Lord of Scripture says this. And it's the same message. It's the same gospel all the way through the Old and the New Testaments because God's story of redemption doesn't change. The way God works redemption does not change. And Jesus fulfills and completes and finishes. He is the, the end point of all of the Testament, the whole story of Scripture. And as with Abraham, God calls a kingdom people to himself for blessing, for blessing all peoples and all nations. How far does God's blessing flow? How far does God's blessing flow? Well, we'll declare it a little bit later when we sing a song, Joy to the World, which says, God's blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. What curse? Well, Paul just told us in Galatians 3 here, starting in verse 10, he says, All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. 
Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Well, that sounds impossible. No one can do that. Paul thinks it's impossible. The law cannot make you right with God, he says. Only faith can do that. And one commentator says, either we approach God completely without merit of our own, on, the, on grounds of his grace alone, or we approach him on the grounds of our own merit. Either we come to God completely because of what Jesus has done for us, or we come to God thinking that we can do it on our own. Well, Jesus redeems us from that curse of the law. He took the curse of the law on himself and he bore it on his body on the cross. And that's why Paul reminded the Galatians of the cross right at the beginning. Because the point of it is this, Jesus redeems us for blessing. That blessing that God gave to Abraham, it's the same blessing in Christ Jesus to all who believe. It's the blessing of faith. It's the gift of the Spirit. It's all one package, faith and Spirit for Paul. It's the sign of being part of God's people, just as the law was for the Jews. It's the sign of being the church. And Paul is going to have a lot more to say about that Spirit in chapter 5 when we get to it in a few weeks. The fruit of the Spirit, he'll say, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that is what life in the Spirit looks like. So where does that leave us? Well, I think we should get rid of that mental image of the angel and the demon on the shoulders. You know, we don't need to use loony tunes in the church because that's not how sin and grace works. Jesus Christ sets us free. He redeems us from that curse of sin. Now, uh, of course, I'm not saying you can't watch cartoons with that angel-demon trope. Just take it with a grain of salt and don't let it be the way you think the world works. Rather, as Paul says, live in the Spirit. And if that is your experience, if that is your life of faith, then great. Don't be misled by anything else. Don't root your faith in, in being part of a people or a nation. Live in the Spirit, that sign of being part of God's people. And if you've never experienced life in the Spirit, if you don't know what that, that is like, then ask God for it. Ask God to give you faith. Uh, read Galatians. Uh, pray that the Spirit fills your life and live in the way of the Spirit. I wish I could point to someone, in our church even, someone who, and say, this is what life in the Spirit looks like. But you know, that kind of person would never let me do that, and rightly so. But that, that, instead, I want to point to the church, the church as a whole, the church, not just this body of the church, but the church universal. And we know the church is full of sin and failure and strife, and sometimes it's hard to see the Spirit shining through. But trust me, it does. God's Spirit is at work in the church, the church universal, the church in all times and all places. And where you see patience, kindness, and goodness, the Spirit is bearing fruit. Where you see faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, the Spirit is evident. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, live in the Spirit because that is God's gift of faith to us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, send your spirit among us, we pray, that we may be your kingdom people marked by the spirit, by the waters of baptism and the, the sign of faith in our lives, and that we may live by the spirit. We, we trust that you, by your spirit, call us to account for the ways that we've fallen short of that, and we confess that we have. But we trust in Jesus' grace to cover us, to wash us, to cleanse us, to, by his spirit, restore us to be your kingdom people. 
Help us to do that each day, to faithfully listen to the Spirit and live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And we trust that you are doing that even now as we pray. In Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If anyone is hot, now would be a good time to move. As a response,